Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, through the static, we detect a rogue dispatch from Miyamoto. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with ya. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the delay of the Mario movie. And then on Thursday, we're going to be talking about three quills. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We have some really exciting show news to share right we up front. We have got news about the show, Mark, for... I don't know. Five years now, we have been part, probably part, of the Campfire Podcast Network. Uh, previously, the What's a Creative Podcast Network. Um, but those, the doors to that to that podcasting empire closing, closed. I guess. Yes. Yeah. So that marks a milestone for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we are forever grateful to Campfire Media. Um, probably the show wouldn't exist right now if it weren't for them but if it weren't for them and if it weren't for uh ryan middledorf and ryan counts house yes. and those guys that uh, helped have had their hand in some part of the ncs assembly line uh in every episode uh it, at, at the very least we hand it to them and they put it on the internet um but at, uh, at other times have been a lot more involved um so yes as, as mark said we are forever grateful to them but we're striking out on our own that's right we're going i mean you could probably sense this uh, based on the cool clothes we're wearing, but we're yeah, going right. indie. I mean, we, we're cool, but we're cool in a the only movie we've seen is Rebel Without a Causeway, <laughs> right? <laughs> we've got our hair slicked back. Yes. We're wearing leather jackets, mm-hmm. and we don't care about authority at all. No, we're, we, we're, fil- we're filled with lots of emotion, and we're mm-hmm. hanging out at Griffith Park Observatory. I mean, that is true, actually. <laughs> Um, but Mark, what does this mean? Well, we have a lot of exciting ideas and things planned for the future, but I think the most important part is that nothing changes. <laughs> the fee- the feed doesn't change. Exciting changes ahead. Nothing is changing. <laughs> the show that you know and love um, will r- remains the show. Yes, we have no intentions of messing with any of that. But, you know, there are some things that we're excited to try in the future. And really, the first thing that we're really excited to try is there is now a Nintendo Cartridge Society Discord server, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Yeah, so if you want to get on that Discord server, you can either follow us on Twitter um, and then DM us, uh, and we will be happy to uh, add you to the invite list that we're at NinCart Society on Twitter. Or if you want to email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com uh, and ask for an invite, we will 100% send it to you. It is a cool, chill place where people are talking about the games that they are playing, mostly on Nintendo platforms. Um, and, you know, we'll organize. Um, look, I want to play Switch Sports with some people. Like, yes. I, I, I think that's that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun, cool place for us to just, like, talk about Nintendo stuff. And an important note is maybe you're not already on Discord, and I totally get it. I'm pretty much a Discord baby myself. We are Discord babies. And so don't be intimidated by it. We're still figuring it out. 
you know, join us on Discord. Come hang out, and uh, it's just gonna be a lot of fun. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we one of the I think our, our first rule in in the group is don't be a jerk. Um, and I think Mark and I are gonna be enforcing that pretty severely. If anyone's a jerk, they're gone. No jerks. <laughs> Why would you want to be part of Nintendo Cartridge Society and be a jerk? It's not a jerk society. It's a Nintendo cartridge society, and that is not changing That's as we go our independent. Promise, <laughs> um, but yeah, every the the feed that you currently subscribe to will continue to have two episodes of this show in perpetuity until Mark and I die. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> probably in each other's hands. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, I think that's right, um, but in a loving way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, nothing is changing. Everything is changing. Stay tuned for um, some of the exciting stuff that we're going to be introducing going forward. Also, we are always open to uh, ideas or whatever. And you know how to contact us. You got the Discord. You got the Twitter. You got the email. Um, we are f- grateful to everyone who has been listening to us for the last five years, for the last five weeks, you know, whatever. Thank you for coming forward with us as we uh, go at this thing on our own. Mark, something else you can go at on your own. My copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address so we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want. Or you don't. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways. And it's the perfect borrowing program. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. That doesn't make the program any less perfect. In fact, in the eyes of some, it may make it more perfect. What do you mean? I don't feel like I need to explain myself. Very good. Yeah, just let everybody just like marinate in that. Okay, good. Um, here's another thing. Think can, about what you did. <laughs> here's another thing you can marinate in. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Patrick and I appreciate it so much. It helps people find the show. It helps uh, us grow our Nintendo Cartridge Society. It's also just a lot of fun to read your reviews. We appreciate it a bunch. If you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we can see it, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else, we may not be able to see it, but we would love to give you a shout-out. So please hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hit us up on Discord. Hit us up on email. Let us know so we can, mm-hmm. so we can uh, recognize your five-star review. Uh, and truly, as we move into the indie phase uh, and we are no longer afforded the bump of being part of the Campfire family, um, we will need more ways for people to notice us. If, if any of you came to us from an ad at the end of a Campfire um, podcast, uh, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, so just increasing our visibility now, possibly more important than ever. So thank you to everyone who has done it. Thank you to everyone who is going to do it. We appreciate all of you. Mark, we've got an email from the Nintendo Pals um, about last week's fitness episode that I would like to read to you and then we can discuss, you know, what uh, why we read uh, emails on the show. Um, hello, Patrick and Mark. Love the episode on fitness gaming. I always love Nintendo exercise games. I wanted to add a segment which may have been passed over due to it being handheld focus, but the rise of the Nintendo pedometer. Uh, first experience I can rem- I can think of is the Poke Walker as an add-on that was sold with uh, a Heart Gold and Soul Silver that levels up your Pokemon while not playing your DS. I believe around that same time they had a game called Personal Trainer uh, Colon Walking. I didn't play it myself, but as a uh, as a me enthusiast, I was tempted. And I think it all peaked with the built-in pedometer on the 3DS with Street Pass and the Street Pass games. Those were all super fun and required you to actually walk around with the device to maximize the gameplay experience. And then several games integrated the pedometer uh, and Street Pass. This all seems to have shifted this generation to mobile devices with Pokemon Go and Pikmin Bloom. 
But hey, I totally buy a pedometer that connected to my Switch uh, like the Poke Walker did. That'd be awesome. Fantastic show as always. Keep up the awesome work, Andros. A great point. We did uh, sort of skip over the uh, the sort of like walking and the pedometer stuff. Um, and I think we largely did that because I don't know how much we have to say about what like walking. What is is does walking fit into like any of the fitness narratives that we were uh, weaving last week. Mm, I don't know that it was specifically in those, but I do see the point of it being like its own because there's such a history of it yeah. that I didn't even really think about. So that's such a good call out. I, okay. I, my Nintendo 3DS was mostly a home 3DS. I did right. not really, I occasionally it was traveled an indoor with it. 3DS. It was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it just couldn't tough it out there, you know, with the other 3DSs. Right. But I would occasionally take it, you know, to jury duty on an airplane (laughs) (laughs) or something like that. And so I remember the steps being a thing, but there was also like a reward associated with it, wasn't there? Like if you took a certain number of steps, something happened, but I can't remember what that something was. Yeah. I mean, I think it depended on which like street pass game you were engaging. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, this is something that I remember too of like, uh, I would take it with me to like comic book conventions or like they say well, while traveling. And this is a sort of thing where like, man, if I still had, if I had my 3DS while I was living in Chicago and like commuting on the train and just like had it in my bag every day, like I, I feel like it would have been a, it's so made for like on foot city living, um, which isn't, we, we live in Los Angeles. We live in uh, the second largest city in the country, but it is not a like getting around on foot kind of place. Um, this just would have been so cool to uh, be living in Chicago, be living in New York, be a, a student somewhere in any of those cities. Um, but yeah, I feel like we just sort of like missed out on that sort of like social connection of, of 3DS. But yeah, yeah. But thank you, Andros. That's a good call out. Mm-hmm. Pedometers, yeah, definitely like uh, – its own history in Nintendo fitness. Yep. Um, and of course, anyone, uh, if you want to write into us, you can do so at Nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, I'm putting a pause on Chrono Cross. Okay. At the moment. Let me tell you why. Yes. Um, I walked into a, an area. I'm playing the game. I know it, I'm headed to the Water Dragon Island because um, I know that I'm supposed to go there. And I remember that the fairies have been driven out by dwarves. I know that this is what happens here. But I go in. I know I'm at the right part of the game because I checked a guide. Um, and the dwarves, not there. Huh. Instead, there are monsters that are so such higher level than I that I can't... Kill a single one before they wipe my entire party. That's so weird. They deliver attacks that are like three times my maximum hit points, and I can't. I can barely deal any damage to them, even even with like the element they're weak to. Do you think it's a bug, or do you think that you? Oh, you, something. You, you're about to blame me for this. <laughs> I mean, I. It's an option. Uh. Yeah, truly, I have no idea what's going on here. That's um, frustrating. Because, like, I, I, I went back and consulted a guide. Right. And for, consulting a walkthrough for Chrono Cross is a nightmare because there are all these branching paths. And so I had to, like, okay, and then I had to skip to here in the guide. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, I know I'm in exactly the right place. And uh, whatever is happening, it has triggered some, like, end game level <laughs> That's stuff. That's so weird. That, like, I can't get past. So That's I, frustrating. Yeah. 
I'm throwing my hands up now. Um, a game that I was enjoying playing, I feel like I just got to put it away for a little while and then like start over. I don't know what to do here. Um, have you ever had an experience like that where like you're playing through a game and you just get to a point where you're like, this is broken or something has happened that I can't get past? Yes, but it was when I played the Wii version of that Alone in the Dark reboot. <laughs> and the game was such a... Bu- I genuinely cannot remember why, but I was so excited for this. Yeah. I remember like on my lunch break from work, driving to some like Circuit City somewhere because they had a copy of the Wii version. <laughs> of um yeah of alone in the dark but the game was a complete disaster and uh i i think i eventually finished it but i but it was um almost impossible like there were multiple times where i just like put through i don't know why i i I don't know why i tried yes the game was so bad i don't know why i was like determined but like the well, I, I do get it, though. When, like, you're excited about it, you're like, I'm going to see this through. And I'm going to – games are like this, too, right? That there's, like, a threshold after which a game becomes fun, right? Uh, and so, like, you can just be like, I'm just not there yet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I will get there, and sometimes you never do. But, like, yeah, you just you, – you, you put that carrot just, like, a little bit further, further mm-hmm. down. Um, Mark, I also played a little bit of new Super Mario Brothers Wii this week. Um, and I did so because uh, I'm on – uh, Connor McCabe's Call Me By Your Game co-op episode about New Super Mario Brothers Wii, um, which I believe is out this week, maybe even today as, as this episode is, is released. Um, but check that out. Um, <laughs> that is famously a four-player game, and Connor tried to get four people on to talk about it, but it was just me and Connor. Um, and we had a, a great conversation about uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii and just New Super Mario Brothers in general. Um, but Mark, I want to talk about Wii, er, not Wii Sports, Nintendo Switch Sports. Um, t- t- tell me, have, have you picked up your copy? Have you played some? I want to hear your experience. So I did end up getting it physical. Physical? Yeah, because like we talked about previously, I liked the idea of being able to just, uh, without having to take my entire Switch with me, just be able to like take it when I'm visiting family or friends. Your it, Switch is good, also like, famously an indoor Switch, right? It, it really is. Um, but because it was such a, it's... My hope was that it'd be such a good party game. And so I got it delivered. I only had maybe about an hour that mm-hmm. I've been able to mess around with it. And I did it purely online playing with randos. Yeah. Um, my husband was watching. My husband does not care about video games. He was watching me play it. And I was like, hey, do you want it? He came into the room before I was actually playing it so he could see what it was like. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, do you want to play this with? And he was like, nah, you know, like not really interested. And I was like, well, you just play it like you would tennis. Like you just play it like yeah, you would yeah, badminton. Yeah. Like you don't have to do anything. It, I did that did not get him to bite, but he but I the resistance fell. I oh, could tell. So he has not yet played with he you. He has but not will. yet played, but I think that I can get him to do it because it's like Yes, this is where I am with Sarah too, actually. That she like I was like, Do you want to play this thing? And she was like, eh. And I was like, okay. And then I was playing. And like then, you know, another session like playing and then we were having lunch and she was asking me questions about it. Uh-huh. I was like, I got her. <laughs> oh, and when he was watching me play tennis, I was really playing it up. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. was like really getting into it, um, but not too much that he'd be put off. Right. Just enough. So I could re- treat him like a mackerel. Reel him in. Yeah, reel him no, in. Give an inch <laughs> and reel him in. Um, so you're you're enjoying your experience. 
I am far. I am enjoying my experience with it. I think that it's that it's interesting. Again, I've just been playing online, so it's interesting to me that they're upfront about the fact that like you might be playing with computer characters and you'll never know. Yeah. Ideally, you will never be able to tell the difference. Here's the thing. I almost don't care. Like the Completely. the suggestion that the person I'm playing against is real is enough for me. Uh-huh. Um and I got to say it's like Sort of a, I really, really like playing this game online, and I like just going to random. Just like feed me a random sport, I'll play it. There are only six of them. Like my first, my first game of volleyball was like, I was there was it popped up like tutorial, and I was like, skip it. Oh I really? I don't care. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Dude, but volleyball is volleyball is complicated. <laughs> I, yeah. I so I I played volleyball, mm-hmm. um, and. I was surprised at how complicated it mm-hmm. was because there are, you know, you serve, which mm-hmm. they don't give a tutorial for, but there's, uh, yeah, the serve is pretty straightforward though. It's like it's like in tennis, yeah, so yeah, you yeah, throw yeah. up the ball yeah. and you, yeah, um, and then there is hitting it, which I'm forgetting what the technical bump, term. set, and spike, bump, set, and spike, yeah, yeah. and block is yes. another one in there, and and the block is interesting because you have to actually use the thumbstick to position yourself. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, I would say the, I haven't played soccer yet, so I don't know what that's like, but it is by far the most complex of these sports. Soccer is pretty complex too and requires like multiple button presses to play. Yeah. And so that kind of surprised me because the, you know, like one of the virtues of the original Wii Sports is that it's so clear and intuitive. Yes. Other than boxing, which was just never fun. But um, also just didn't work. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. That's the issue with boxing. Um, And so it's like once you get in the rhythm of volleyball and they put like visual clues in there as to like when you're supposed to bump, when you're supposed to set. And, but, right. And, and it will tell you like too early. Right. But just the, the fact that there was this like tutorial and the. Uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on like the martial arts sword one. Chambara. Chambara. Like that also has a tutorial. But it's much more intuitive because it's yes. like a sword and it's just telling you like this how you engage the block and stuff versus volleyball. There's just like a lot to take in. I thought it was fun. I was just surprised at how like the rest of the games, again, other than soccer, which I haven't played, do such a good job of being so intuitive and approachable. Like I have never really been a badminton player, but I started a game to badminton. And it's like, oh, yeah, I get this. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's neat how... Uh, you know, fundamentally, volleyball, badminton, and uh, tennis as video games could be identical games, right? Um, but, like, you do genuinely play them differently in the context of Nintendo Switch sports. And I think that's really cool. Um, and, and honestly, obviously, there are only six games. I don't think there's a bad one uh, in, in here. I like whenever any of them comes up. Um, and I think the, the progression in the game and how you unlock, um, like, different pieces of yes, costume very and, fun. and emotes and stuff like that is very fun and natural and uh, uh, remarkable that it's not monetized. Um, I mean, it feels like very Nintendo and like good and family friendly, um, but it's basically like a season pass uh, that you don't pay for. Um, Cause you know, right now we are in the, there, there are two events going on. There's like the, the common um, items and the cute items. Uh, and we've got like another week or so left on the common items and another two weeks left on the cute items. Um, but every time you get 100 points, you get to choose which of the two buckets you want to claim your prize from. And it randomly selects one. And when you've gotten a prize, it removes it. So you can't get the same prize twice. So like it is 
achievable to max these things out and like actually get them um, from a couple hours of play. Uh, do you think that you'll be putting a lot of time like dedicated into Nintendo Switch Sports, or do you think it's something that you'll like that'll just kind of become like a party game? Um, I think something in between, um, because I do. I, I, the couple times I've played it, um, I think I've played it on like three separate sessions now, uh, and every time I do, I am having fun, and it gets to the point where it says like, "You've been playing for an hour. Do you want to take a break?" And I go, "Okay." And I stop playing and I don't have any like, man, I wish I could keep going or like, but I, there's also no point during that hour where I'm like, why am I still doing this? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and like, I want to, I want to play more tonight. I want to play some tomorrow. Um, like, I think it's going to be a fun thing to just sort of like check in on for a while. Um, and you know, if, if we can get some, uh, like game nights going where like we're playing together or like playing with people in the discord, I, that sounds like a ton of fun to me. Um, it's just very, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm actually going to play this game more than I expected to. It's interesting to me that golf is coming in the fall. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. And it's also weird to me that it ships with, you know, the physical version. I got another leg strap, but I don't think there's any use for it at the moment. Like, no, I there is. The, there's the shootout game in oh, uh, the so soccer. Oh, yeah. okay. Got it. But you have to, that's something that you select separately. I so, like, you go soccer, and then it's, like, is it two-player soccer, four-player soccer, or whatever it is, six-player soccer, uh -huh. or shootout. Oh, yeah. I've not ventured into soccer territory I, at and all. I, and I've not ventured into shootout territory yet, either. Um, and I played a couple games of soccer. I think the uh, the larger games of soccer, where there are more players on the field, um, is probably the weakest, uh, just because the soccer field is so large that, like... You know, if the ball gets hit like away from where, uh, if you know you're sort of playing like offense, and uh, the ball gets kicked over into like your goal territory, um, that like it's so far away for you to run to it, um, and like you you're running to it with the uh, with the thumbstick, right? Um, and there's a a run button if you want to like go faster, and you have like a little stamina meter, and there's also a jump button. So like there's a lot of like oh. button pressing going on in this game um but yeah it's just it's kind of the field is just too big uh so if you're uh, sort of staying on one side you know waiting for your teammates to either defend or score or whatever so that you can do your job um that it can just let you know the the action can be away from you for like the majority of the game are you using me's or are you using the I don't know what you'd call them. More human-like avatars? I am using the more human-like avatars. <laughs> Mark, too. what are you using? Yeah. <laughs> I'm also using the more yeah. human-like avatar. Um, I like the more human-like avatars. And I like the, uh, the, the fact that I'm unlocking more stuff for my more human-like mm -hmm. avatar um, as we go. It's, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't miss the me. I think it's funny to encounter other people who are using me's. Um, there's, there's still sort of Mies Plus, right? Like, because they're Mies, but they have, like, real bodies now. Right, right. Yeah, it's to just be, the yeah more fleshed out. I think it's really it's really funny to me that the way that you choose between the two is when you're creating your avatar, you go into body, and it is, like, person or me. <laughs> there, These are the two body types. Yes. The two genders. <laughs> person and me. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm very impressed with this game. Uh, I think it's interesting that uh, anyone reviewed this game uh, because the online didn't get patched in until launch day. I know, so weird. 
But there were a lot of people in the reviews, like, you know, specifically, saying, like, saying so, yeah. called that out. And uh, I've, it's, so far it is exactly what I want. Yeah. Which was just, like, the comfort of every, like, of Wii Sports. Like, everything that I enjoyed about Wii Sports seems to be in Nintendo Switch Sports. And I think it's remarkable how, you know, we were talking about the music earlier, but... Oh, should, should we play some of this? Oh, sure, music? yeah. Just, we, you can keep making your point, and I'll have some of this music uh, Just, like, how evocative in the music, in the entire experience, it is of Wii Sports without just being, like, duplicative of it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, even something like tennis feels more... It's probably not. It's probably identical, right? Like, they got it right with tennis, so why, why bother changing it? Um... But yeah, I don't know. Like the the spread of sports, like is interesting in that they all feel relevant and vital instead of uh, on the Switch where it was or on the Wii where you're like, well, I'm never really gonna play baseball. I'm never really gonna box. Um, yeah, it just it, it definitely seems like Wii Sports with the fat cut out and everything else like juiced up in a way that works. Yeah, it's also smart. I felt like I was when I was playing online where a tennis match is just one set or whatever same with yeah. like volleyball yeah like you're not you're and those, not those, those are settings like a long yeah. yeah those are settings you can change when you're playing uh, either with friends or, or locally but yeah the the online version of these games i feel like it's very well set up to just like serve you a short uh version of the experience and uh matchmaking has been fast and fluid are we sometimes playing with make-believe people? Who knows? We'll I'm, never know. Right. Like, I'm assuming the first time I did volleyball and I chose to do the tutorial that they're like, oh, you... Because it's long. It's sure. like minutes. Yeah, and so yeah, if yeah. not everybody was doing it, I'm, I'm assumption is since it was the first time I played it that it was just against AI characters. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but yeah, it's so seamless. Like, you can't really tell. I... I like I said, this is what I wanted out of this game. I think the $40 price point makes a lot of sense. I don't know that if I were like I wouldn't buy the physical version for the for the leg strap for the leg strap. I don't think. Yeah, I. I yeah, I mean, and, and until we get because they are adding some soccer thing that the leg strap. That, is. Maybe that's what I was confused about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. More to discover. Um, I'm gonna fade out this music so we don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really enjoying it. Mark, are you playing anything else? So I have. Continued to make progress in Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. So I have... Okay, spoilers. So for Act 2, yes. just putting that out there, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what happens. So I have finally got to the point where I am bringing the gang back together. I went on like a little adventure with Hendrik. And mm -hmm. Hendrik is in my party now. Yeah, he is. I'm having him use axes. Yes. And uh, he does some cool, even from the beginning, has some great like area of effect attacks. Yeah. That you're like, this is totally what my party needs. Um, it is It is amazing how you're like, oh, I didn't have a bruiser before. And yeah. now I do. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's very nice. It's also like smartly structured in that the first part of the adventure that you go on with him he's not officially a member of your party. Yes. And so he can take all the damage. Yep. Um, and you can, and he even has a move that he triggers, which is like, everybody just hit me. And um, so, yeah, like all of that is very smart. I feel like chapter two for me was, has been slow to begin. Yes. But I finally encountered a uh, rab 
uh, and he is now part of my party. And so I have officially set off to a new lo- to a location that is like along the way. Maybe you'll run into other people from your party. Yay. And so I'm excited to start getting the game back together. I feel like I'm finally building up more momentum in this second chapter. Yeah, that that's awesome. That that rab chapter is uh, fun and weird, and because um, you meet him and he's like a skeletal. Yeah, guy. yeah, he, uh-huh. he's like wasting away. Yeah, yeah it is. Cool. You know, uh, we talked about the interlude between yeah. chapters one and two, and that that was new for the definitive or S the S yes. version, mm-hmm. and so it kind of like ruin the surprise a little bit yeah in, sure, that's in right. the way that you know uh your chapter with him is setting him up in this like afterlife realm that he is in um but it i mean it didn't it's really matter cool. yeah. yeah yeah um well i look forward to hearing more updates about dragon quest 11 s echoes of the lucid Age definitive edition for the nintendo switch uh as you get deeper into it but mark in the meantime let's uh those that's what we've been playing this week let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week big stuff to call out this week are a couple of sales yeah i mean just not a lot coming out uh this week sort of strangely on thursday may 5th there is a like a rift tracks the game being released rift tracks is kind of like a spin-off of mystery science theater 3000 starring some of the original cast members from the show and i don't know anything about this game but i think it's funny that it exists i think it's funny too um, let's not even speculate on what it could be um but yeah i mean there's also like some uh, special edition of among us coming out uh blaze blue um central fiction a special edition is coming out on sunday of all days um so yeah that's that Those are some games coming out. Let's talk about sales this week. Yes. So it is Golden Week in Japan right now. And both Square Enix and Capcom are hosting Golden Week sales on... So Square Enix is on the Switch. Capcom is on Switch and 3DS. Reminder that you have until May... 23rd. I just looked it up. Yeah, May 23rd to add funds using a credit card on the 3DS. Yeah, that's right. And on, on the Wii U. Although after this time, you will be able to add funds to your Switch. And if all the accounts are merged, you will still get money into uh, those accounts that way. Um, but a lot of the uh, the 3DS um, Capcom discounts are the same ones that were uh, active a, a couple weeks ago. Um, the All the Phoenix Wright games are like five bucks. Um, Monster Hunter 3, 4 generations are all five bucks. Um, Resident Evil Mercenaries is two dollars down from twenty dollars, as is Resident Evil Re- Revelations two dollars down from twenty. Uh, Mark, is there any? Th- are, are there any other games on these lists that you wanted to uh, call out? Um, as it, it, it's weird, Square Enix does uh, kind of big sales a lot, um, and it's the same sort of like collection of games, like the the Final Fantasy games, um, the uh, Dragon Quest one, two, three, um, and like. A lot of that I am Setsuna, um, that sort of stuff. But there were a few um, newer additions to this list, um, like the uh, Neo: The World Ends with You is on sale for thirty bucks. Normally, it is a full price sixty dollar game. Uh, Balan Wonderworld, which we're going to talk about later in the episode, uh, is normally going for forty bucks. Is going for twelve during this sale. Um, that new Act Razor um, remake that came out just a couple months ago is uh, twenty ninety nine. Is normally twenty nine ninety nine. Um, 
Yeah. A- a- anything else on on these lists? That I always forget that there was a the Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition was mm-hmm. released on Switch, and this sales is a good, re- good reminder that that exists. It's on sale for twelve bucks, normally thirty. Um, also on the uh, on the, on the Capcom side. That Capcom beat 'em up bundle is only ten dollars. That's a good game, especially if you have uh, s- someone to, to to play it with who likes beat 'em up games. Um, also, uh, Resident Evil. We've been talking a little bit about Resident Evil in the uh, Discord. Um, Resident Evil Zero, Four, Five, Six, Revelations, and Revelations Two are all on sale for like forty uh, percent ish off. They all all differing price uh, differ different prices but good deals kind of on all of them there's also star wars games on sale this week through star wars day which is tomorrow um yes may 4th yes Mm -hmm. and you can get games such as knights of the old republic that was recently released for 12 11 24 was 14.99 star wars episode one racer is 750 um and there's a star wars heritage pack for $45, normally 60 bucks. That includes both Jedi Knight games, Episode 1 Racer, Republic Commando, and The Force Unleashed. Which again is the Wii version of uh, The Force Unleashed for some reason. Force Unleashed on its own is not part of this sale, but it is part of the Heritage Collection and it, or the Heritage Pack. And if you buy it as part of the Heritage Pack, I added it up. Um, it's like you're getting it for $15 instead of 20 which is what it normally goes for. How do you feel about that name, Star Wars Heritage Pack? <laughs> Does that feel weird to you? Does heritage feel weird I, in that context? I, I think it feels weird only because I'm used to everything in Star Wars being a saga. Ooh, yes, it should be the saga pack. <laughs> um, is there are, are there anything is is there anything on either of these sale lists that you think you will pick up? Man, I already picked up so much on the 3DS from like Capcom's earlier cells. So right. I don't think there's anything that I'm especially itching for. I do have to say though, that I can't remember if we've talked about it before, but I've hmm. never played code Veronica. This came up on the discord. So yes. it's on my mind. I've never played code Veronica and it's not on any console or platform. The most recent console or platform it's on is the 360 and Xbox and uh, PS3. Yeah. It's just so bizarre to me. Well, so here's how you should play code Veronica is come over to my house. We play it on Dreamcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I Code Veronica is one of my favorite Resident Evil games, but it's also, it came out during a weird era. That's the, like the PlayStation two era. Right. Um, and it just, it's never really been like remade. There's a Code Veronica X um, version of it. that ended up actually coming out on PlayStation two um, and GameCube and GameCube. Yes. Um, but like, you know that's it. Other than that, it's been twenty years. Since yeah, they that's put this so game weird. Up. I just assumed it was on PC, if nothing uh, else. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's not. It's it just. Anyways, a bizarre mission. Yeah. But we should absolutely play it at your house. Um, I I love it. I'm gonna hold you to that. Uh, that's. I'm I'm very excited now. All right, Mark. Let's get out of. That's right. This segment is still called new releases, even though we just talked about sales the whole time. Um, let's close this segment out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. 
Um, Mark, uh, we had a suggestion to talk about uh, our uh, experiences moving out of our parents' homes, uh, but I think we want to just talk about our early apartments, early on our living on our own apartments. Mark, where was your first apartment? My first apartment uh, was in Utah, mm-hmm. and I'm it. It was not like a dorm or anything. I just moved in with three or two other people and just had like a room in this apartment yeah um and you know it was like kind of like doing it on my own and it was it was a uh uh i had like you know my my bed and then this dresser that i bought from walmart and had to put together myself and did such a poor job that the drawers like never actually like fit in and it barely like stood up and was really wobbly so i mostly just like put clothes on top of it for like the year that i lived there um you had a bed though like a bed a bed (laughs) i did i had a bed bed yeah that's right my first apartment i was living in chicago um and this was after i had been uh you know i i went to school in wisconsin and then i was in hawaii for almost a year and then i i came back and was living with two other guys that i i went to college with um and i didn't i didn't have anything right like i didn't have any kind of furniture so i also didn't have a bed but I did have a single twin mattress that rested on the floor. <laughs> Winter in Chicago. Um, and uh, I mean, I it was, you know, a couple months later that I ended up like getting a bed. But like I genuinely had no furniture. Um, did any of you have furniture or was it just like when you moved in? Yeah, well, I'm actually having a hard time remembering now. We had a couch um, and we had a TV uh and like an entertainment center and uh-huh. those the entertainment center and the tv i had had from college like those were what like came with me through like dorm rooms but yeah otherwise we were everyone was like you know we would make kind of regular trips to ikea to like a slowly outfit the place um but as was like absolutely necessary as was absolutely necessary um and then uh, you know after maybe like a year of living there and like i finally had like a job that i could afford to buy stuff i remember one day making like a target trip i bought a desk i bought a rug i bought a dresser and just like transformed my room into like now it's real it's a real space (laughs) uh when i first moved to la I just moved with like everything in my car. Yeah. Um, and I moved into a, I was like subleasing a furnished apartment. And then when I like got my own apartment that I wasn't subleasing anymore, I had to furnish it. And for the longest time, like I didn't really. Yeah. Like I bought, like I had a bed, but then like I didn't really have anything else. And then as I started doing, you know, like more stuff and meeting people, I realized, oh, like, I should furnish this apartment right. so that way people can come over and it's not just some like weird, you know, empty void. Right. You're not welcoming people back to your habitat, right? <laughs> like, to my empty room, you know, like room with a bed in it. Right. This is the place where I go to, to sleep and shower and then I go back out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad to be beyond those like early days of uh, or early apartmenting, um, but also like they're sort of fun. All right. Well, I guess I guess we'll never know if Mark thought that was uh, sort of fun. We were accompanied today by the Berliner Philharmoniker. Mark, let's get into the news. The Mario movie, which was originally announced for release in the United States at the end of this year, has been delayed. Delayed. Uh, last week, uh, 
cryptic missive. Actually, I guess it wasn't that cryptic. It was very straightforward. Yeah, it was very sh- uh, shockingly straightforward. <laughs> but uh, uh, a tweet uh, from Miyamoto, I guess. I was going to say purported, but it just seems like a weird thing to... So it's from the Nintendo Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. Miyamoto, uh, Siguro Miyamoto is not yes. on Twitter. Um, but the tweet starts, this is Miyamoto. <laughs> and I know they have a limited character count, <laughs> but there's something just very... Very funny about it. It's very direct, uh, and it's it it is one of those things that only Nintendo would do, only Nintendo would allow, and it's it's just so odd for like a regular communication to be like, oh, we're delaying this movie. Uh, apologies uh-huh. to the fans who have been waiting, um, but just to start it. This is me. Who cares? <laughs> straight from the straight from the mouth of Miyamoto. I mean, yeah. he has been the talker. For the Mar about the he Mario has, movie, has, you right. know anything we've officially heard about it has come through him, as far as I'm aware. I it just it delighted me, especially when he talked about like Chris Melisandre, who's uh the or Melanandre, however you say it, yeah, uh, who is the head of Illumination Studio, and they taught he's like my you know like partner in this Chris Son, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, the movie's getting delayed. It is now going to be releasing on April 7th, 2023 in North America and April 28th, 2023 in Japan. Again, or when they first made this announcement of the release date for December of this year, that was for North America and it would, you know, they said that they would announce other release dates for in the future for other countries, other territories. So, do you think Patrick that this is I guess it could be a combination of these things, but they need more time. They are trying to get out of the way of Avatar 2. They want to align the release dates so that way there's not like a four-month gap between when it's released in different territories. I mean, I think it's uh, all of these things. Uh, I, I think Avatar 2 is an easy punching bag or like an easy like punchline. Um, but I genuinely think that is the case. Like, we have not seen an Avatar movie in 12 years or whatever. Um, and when it comes... You never, never underestimate James Cameron, right? And the the power or the the cinematic the the box office power that his movies uh, can wield and do wield over and over again, right? Yeah. Um, and he's been counted out as like uh, you know making a disaster, like you know Titanic was way over budget and like way past schedule and whatever, and then it made more money than any other movie ever uh, until. Avatar came out, uh, another movie that like seemed like it was some weird pipe dream. Um, so like, yeah, if you can get out of the way of Avatar two, get out of the way of Avatar two. Um, so I firmly believe that that is is real. But also, I there have been uh, reports that uh, the Mario movie has been focus group testing uh, lately, and that the feedback is a little strange. Um, so I wonder if they are taking this time now. Uh, the extra four months that they've given themselves-ish um, to uh, address some of the uh, feedback in those focus groups or what? Yeah. Did you ever watch, uh, it might have actually just been called Into the Unknown on Disney Plus. It's a documentary on the making of Frozen 2. No, I did not. And so it's, the. I thought it was really interesting because you realize, or they, they document how, a lot of that movie came together in the very like last few months. And um, that is not like super uncommon with animated films. So you, uh, you know, in the past week we've seen various reports on 
plot leaks and, you know, what the movie is or it, what it is in its current form. Right, which presumably could be coming out of, like, these focus group things. So, like, just beware if you're interested in the Mario movie and don't want yourself spoiled about it. Maybe stop looking into it because, like, those details are out there. But I also think that what the movie as it exists in, like, this right form that's being focus tested and what actually gets released in april could be maybe not like grossly different but there could be deviations for sure yeah yeah there's a I, there's an interesting uh, twitter thread going around um about the uh the or fr- from the guy who uh, originally pitched uh kubo and the two strings to um like studios um and uh made the movie and it eventually ended up uh he ended up not being like the director on it um, and they went like a different direction with it, but he uh, linked to um, like the original animatic for the opening of uh, Kubo. Did you see Kubo? I loved Kubo. Kubo rules. Um, but the uh, the animatic from the beginning, uh, uh, from the o- opening segment where like she's on the boat uh, and like trying to escape the moon, just the movie rules. Um, it is like one for one. They like kept it all in the movie, and uh, the sort of commentary around that is like animated movies get made and remade 20 times before you see them right um and that it's like wholly remarkable that the whole animatic from the opening of the movie is intact shot for shot exactly what the movie is so all of which is to say that the mario movie could be a mess right now what people are seeing in focus groups could be a mess and that may not be what ends up coming out what would have ended up coming out in december or what will end up coming out in april also what it's very possible that what people have been seeing you know if these test screenings have been taking place is not finished animation like probably a lot of you know like storyboards animated animatics like that sort of thing yeah well and it's also possible that people are seeing the uh bob hoskins john leguizamo movie and mistaking (laughs) it for the new mario mistake easy mistake to to make make for sure one thing uh not to get into the plot details at all about the movie but the leaks have it. Look, th- this is our promise to you. We will not spoil the Super Mario Brothers movie <laughs> until it comes out. I just don't think I care enough. We to. just don't care that much. Uh, but it, they call it out. Uh, it's apparently a musical, which is news to me and uh, surprising. Honestly, I yeah, was surprised to me too. That. Um, Jump up superstar over and over again. <laughs> I, would that be the worst thing? Probably not. Even though E3 has been officially canceled for the year, Xbox and Bethesda announced they're still going to hold a game showcase during their traditional Sunday time slot. Uh, it'll be on June 12th at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And this is traditionally, you know, the Sunday morning slash early afternoon of before the E3 show floor opens. That's Xbox's time. That's Xbox's time. And traditionally then Monday night was... Uh, PlayStations and then Tuesday mornings was Nintendo. Obviously, PlayStation has been out of it for a while. Um, but, you know, last year when there sort of was an E3-ish um, or a digital one, Microsoft still took their, their Sunday date. Does this mean that we can expect a Nintendo Direct on the morning of Tuesday, June 14th, Mark? I, okay, my heart, no, 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 no. My head. We're gonna genie in a bottle. Says, <laughs> <laughs> my head says no, mm. but my heart says yes. It's very interesting to be in this specific moment, as far as like Nintendo watching is concerned, because we just got a bunch of new release dates, right? Xenoblade Chronicles Three, Splatoon Three, 
the Mario movie. Those are the kinds of things that you want to like get out of the way before you're like, okay, now we can start showing stuff. But also, I don't. We've got like a big Nintendo release sort of every month, almost through the end of the year. Yes, I mean we don't have dates for Pokemon. We don't have dates for Mario Plus Rabbit Spark of Hope. Yeah, um, but we know they're coming. But we know they're coming. I mean, I feel like Mario Plus Rabbits could be delayed. Yeah, that wouldn't that, that wouldn't that's shock true. me. That's true. But we know Pokemon's coming for sure. That makes sense. That that would be November. We got Strikers. We got the two uh, uh, three games that we mentioned. Advance Wars is probably going to come out at some point or never. <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like we know basically up to September. Yeah, and then with um, Splatoon three. And then we know some things that are coming out or probably coming out, like Bayonetta 3 is supposed to release this year. Right. Um, for the rest of the year, but we don't know when exactly. And it seems likely that there is at least another game from Nintendo, whether right. it's like a right. huge, enormous game or something on the scale of like Advance Wars, One Plus Two Reboot Camp. Like that seems likely to me. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like right now Nintendo's year is looking like a good 2019. And if they can put out one more, like, big game that almost moves it into 2017 territory, right? Into the, like, I don't know that we'll ever get a Breath of the Wild Mario Odyssey Splatoon 2 Arms Mario Kart 8 Deluxe year ever again. Right. Because that's absurd. Um, but I think it gets closer if there's, like, one more big game. Yeah. And that would make sense to me. But as to the timing of it, because we know so much through September... I could see them waiting for like a September direct instead of doing it all in June. But counterpoint, Metroid Dread last year. We were introduced to it at E3 and then it came out in October. Yeah, that's true. So I I, I think I just also just with like the cadence of their directs, they've been kind of uh, like weirdly predictable uh, like this year or like the, the last two years after just like taking the year off from them in 2020. That's true. So yeah, I I mean I obviously would love it, but I guess we'll pro. I feel like we would probably find out pretty soon. Do right? you think so, or do you think if it's, they just treat it like a regular direct that we won't actually hmm. hear anything until just a few days before? If they treat it like a regular direct, it won't be Tuesday morning. That's true. It'd be like a Wednesday, <laughs> right? Or something, um, a Wednesday or Thursday. Those are their normal direct days, unless it's the E three one. But like previously, it made sense for them to weeks in advance say, "Hey, this is our yeah. like we're just confirming yeah. our stake at E three." But since E three doesn't exist, and they would just be doing it out of habit essentially, <laughs> then you know, do yeah, they yeah, need yeah. to give weeks of heads up? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I mean, I, I wonder Xbox and Bethesda because that Bethesda is Xbox, soon to be Beth- uh, Xbox Bethesda, Bethesda <laughs> uh, Activision Blizzard. Oh yeah, that's right. Game showcase. Um, do you think we'll see Blizzard stuff at? Uh, I don't think we will this year. Too early. Okay. Um, but in any event, uh, if if they stake out their their place for Sunday, um, do we think that like the rest of the industry sort of just like gets Falls sucked into, into that gravity? Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe. I and if they do that, I mean, if if I were planning my little like, if I'm Devolver Digital, right, and I'm gonna. Do something with uh, the indie games that we're publishing uh, around that same time. I'm not going to schedule it on Tuesday morning, right? Right. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna anticipate that Nintendo will do. And it's so cool that like they just own that time. Nintendo just owns that time. Um, I don't know. It's 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 very cool. I hope it happens. Uh, and 
know that we're counting on it. If uh, counting if, on it. <laughs> if it does happen, yes. Do you think that we will see a trailer for a sequel to Breath of the Wild? No. With oh. a uh, no. With like a title. Like, do you think we'll get a real trailer, not just like the teases that we've seen so far? I think the trailer with the title, trailer and title, I think, and blowout, I think all happens in September mm. uh, and for release early next year, um, February or March. I think whatever, because we know it's been delayed out of the year, right? Uh, just too early next year, did they say? I'm not. I can't. I can't, I can't remember, remember if it was spring or just early 2023. But. At this point, I don't believe it's ever coming. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. I, I. I don't think we get more uh, Breath of the Wild sequel, e- even though like that's sort of the same interval between um, its blowout at E3 in 2016 and its release in 2017. Um, like that's when we. Uh, you know, when people got like hands on of uh, Breath of the Wild in, in the first place was at E3 2016 and then was released, you know, uh, March eight, eight months later. Yeah. yeah. Former head of the Sega Studio Sonic team and lead programmer on the original Sonic the Hedgehog series, Yuji Naka took to Twitter to reveal a lawsuit he had filed against Square Enix, the publisher of his latest game. Uh, Balan Wonderland, notorious Wonderworld. I do that every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonderworld, notorious flop. Most of the info that's out there about this comes from his like tweet storm, so it's kind of a one-sided story. But this is what he lays out: that he was fired from the project as director six months before the game released and was not allowed to fix problems the game had, uh, which prompted the lawsuit says, this is a translation, quote, I thought it was wrong that a piano arrangement of the game music by a YouTuber was used in a promotion for an original game. When I insisted that the original song be released, it caused trouble. Which, first of all, this is weird. Yes. Did that So I guess the, the story behind it is there was some promotional video for the game, and instead of using the actual music track from the game that was made by the composer, know, by the composer, they used a YouTuber's piano arrangement and presumably that recording in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and I mean, first of, all, first of all, how does that happen? Like, why would you do that? If you're advertising a game, why do you use a fan creation instead of like the music from the game to advertise it? Maybe it was trying to like, you know, capture that spirit of, User generated, you know, like social. That's not what Bell and Wonder <laughs> World is. <laughs> I would agree if we were talking about like Dreams or Little Big Planet uh-huh. or Super Mario Maker, but that's not uh, that's not what this. Game okay, is. so Patrick clearly on Yuji Naka. I side, side so with far. Naka. <laughs> uh, Naka continues again. This is a translation. The relationship with the developer Arzest fell apart when I made comments about wanting to improve the game or about Arzest submitting the game without fixing bugs kind of just going back to the uh they fired him six months before the game was set to be released and then never got the opportunity to fix what was still wrong with it i he continues i believe the reception and reviews of balan wonderworld that you all know had a lot to do uh, that have a lot to do with this this situation i'm truly disappointed that a product i worked on from the beginning has turned out this way and then finally Square Enix and Arzest are companies that don't value games or game fans. 
Which is tough. It's tough to hear. Uh, and I mean, we didn't play any of uh, Balan Wonderworld, but uh, it has a notorious reputation as being a uh, a bad, boring, and stupid game uh, <laughs> that's broken. Um, so, like in every conceivable dimension, just like not succeeding at the mission of being uh, a, a a good game. Um, so the fact that Square Enix would publish it and that they would have these sort of the policies to drive him, like what, what, what could have happened here? Yeah. I mean, it's, it feels like we're missing something, it, right? It, it, absolutely. Cause yeah. we have, we have no idea. Like Square Enix, ours as far as I know, aren't like commenting on this. Right. We don't even know. So I think part of the reason he's felt like he could start talking about it now is because the, lawsuit concluded yes but it's really unclear to me like what the conclusion of that lawsuit was yeah yeah agree i don't I, yeah it's, it's just it's, like lawsuit over i can talk about this now really unhappy with the way things turned out clearly the game did not turn out well but um yeah it definitely feels like we're missing the another piece of this right because like why would a game publishing company be motivated to fire a director without having the game completed and then just push the game out broken and bad. Right. Um, like there must be some reason either, uh, you know, an, an issue with, with him, with his work, with, uh, you know, a, a, anything along those lines um, that like, we're just not getting the full story here. And I don't know that we ever will. Yeah. Um, but just know that uh, Yuji Naka is like going public with uh, his version of the story. And that's all out there. Uh, also, thank you to The Verge. The translations quoted here are from their reporting mm -hmm. on this. We mentioned the Aspire-ported classic Star Wars games on Switch in our new releases segment that turned into a uh, what's on sale segment. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, but that's all looking into the past. What does the future of Star Wars and Aspire have in store for Nintendo fans, potentially? More games from the past. Uh, that's right. So Rogue Squadron, anybody? Twitter user at SDXXX posed the following question. Oh, you know what? That's not actually the Twitter user's name. Uh, I, I put in SDXXX because I uh, knew I needed to fill it in and I didn't. <laughs> but it's uh, at SDS. Oh, SD. Sorry. SD Shoemaker 13. Okay, perfect. I uh, posted the following question. At Aspire Media, what are the odds of you guys putting out ports of the Rogue Squadron series? Um, the answers are from both Aspire and Rogue Squadron developer Factor 5's co-founder, Julian Egbrecht, were fascinating. Mm -hmm. So Aspire says, quote, Here at Aspire, we're huge Star Wars fans and love bringing Star Wars games to new audiences. For us, it's all about the games we think players are more, most passionate about and would love to see brought to new platforms. If the demand is there, we're on board. Which, sort of bog standard, right? Like, right. They, they're going to say that about any... Um, Star Wars game that someone's like, hey, are you ever going to bring these? They're going to say, we here at Aspire, <laughs> literally what it says, here at Aspire, we're huge Star Wars Great fans. moments in copywriting. <laughs> um, so that's that feels normal. That feels like a normal, don't get, don't get excited. But then, Julian Egbrecht chimes in. Says, the one for Switch should be the ultimate rogue and links to a trailer for Star Wars Rogue Leaders, the unreleased game on Wii. Using every last bit of the Wii, all controllers from Pro to Wheel, all levels from Leader and Strike, in one as intended, fixed and remixed. Multiplayer, one-on-one, -on -one, gyro lightsaber combat, 60 frames per second, are owed to Star Wars. Uh, and Mark, I don't know, have you ever seen this trailer for no. Rogue Leaders? Uh, 
it's good i mean it, it looks like it is a a fun uh interesting uh wii game that you know sadly never came out um so what it, what does any of this mean uh is it just like a, a couple of star wars fans who are game developers that have released games in the past saying man it would be cool if we could do this but they'll never be able to do it or are we actually are are, are these like first steps on a, a longer road that would be cool if we eventually saw this released. I feel like because the Wii, if the Wii version had been released, I think it would be much more likely for yeah it to come out. Um, but what about the other uh, the the Rogue Squadron games? Yeah, I don't know. I d- I don't know those. I don't know if because like they were developed by Factor Five and Factor Five, I think was absorbed by Sony at one point when they were working on Layer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I I just wonder how. Since Factor Five doesn't exist, all those like rights if they roll back up to Lucasfilm or what? But I mean the the thing that's thing that I still don't really understand, can't wrap my head around, is how Aspire is able to publish all of these games uh, as it is. Um, but it seems like they are like they're they're cranking. There's a heritage collection. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, but you know they they have done a lot of them, including um, like. Wii specific things or Nintendo specific things like uh, Episode One Racer on the Nintendo sixty four and um, the version of Force Unleashed, which is the the Wii version. So like, there's some sort of Nintendo synergy happening there. Um, but counterpoint, they have yet to release uh, Shadows of the Empire. So um, maybe maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. That'd Where be- is Shadows of the Empire? <laughs> That would be... Uh, I would love if that comes to Nintendo Switch <laughs> so Online. Good. Speaking of learning things from legendary developers on Twitter, Masahiro Sakurai, the director of the Super Smash Brothers series and creator of Kirby, celebrated Kirby's 30th anniversary by recalling his process for animating the original Kirby victory dance. Uh, something that Patrick hates? Or do you hate it? I assume you hate it because no, it's, it's associated with the... Uh, the end of level mini games. Yeah, I hate the end of level mini games. But no, I don't. I, I I like the dance. I think it's I think it's charming. I like to see Kirby. Patrick finally on the record not hating the dance after being <laughs> evasive for weeks and weeks. Um, Thank you for pinning me down and making me <laughs> honest. After not being able to get an answer from the composer about how many frames of animation were needed, Sakurai put the victory music on tape and played it repeatedly while animating the dance. Uh, which is pretty great. Why doesn't this composer know how long his piece of music is? <laughs> also, when asked why multiple Kirbys appear to dance with the main Kirby, he said it seemed more fun that way. It's all you need. Man's a genius. Yep. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that he is like part of the Nintendo orbit, and he drives so much of that company. Um, that's uh, that's just incredibly. It seemed more fun that way. He's right. The Min Min Amiibo released last week does not have an NFC blocker included in the packaging, meaning that this is the first Amiibo Nintendo has ever put out into the world that can be scanned into a game without having to open the box. Uh, which is weird, right? Um, one of the uh, selling points early on about uh, Amiibo was, you know, they have this uh, in-game functionality, but you have to, you know, so you, people couldn't like use them in stores or whatever. Right. Um, couldn't uh, couldn't scan them in without opening the packaging. This one uh, is missing that little piece of uh, I don't even know what a tape or metal or something um, that blocks the uh, the chip 
Um, so you could just scan the Min Min Amiibo. Yeah, bring your Switch to a Best Buy. Bring your Switch to Best Buy. Scan to your heart's content. Um, strange. What's going on here? Is this a weird oversight? Or is it that Nintendo's not really making and selling Amiibo anymore? And we're just seeing that, like, they're not invested in the proper packaging for them? Or, yeah, like, what, what's happening? What Remind me what functionality these Amiibo have in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Sure. So they allow you to, like, make dummy characters that you can uh, – of or uh, dummy players of that character that you can then train up um, to, like, fight against you with, like, a specific AI. So you could go into a store that had this Min Min Amiibo. Yeah. You could, like, scan it into yes. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and then – create this character and then when somebody gets at home right that'll be the character like that a character already exists and is associated with that right they could amiibo. someone could be buying a level 50 uh <laughs> min min amiibo because someone else like that. juiced it up i kind of like that yeah it's it's weird right that is weird um yeah i think they probably just it's like just a mistake they can save no i think they can probably save a few pennies and they just don't care at this point yeah yeah i mean and, and that that uh, truly maybe it that like well, and to, to me, it speaks to just, like, a deprioritization of, like... Totally. They're not really in the Amiibo business anymore. They are because they sort of have to be, because um, they made this insane promise about every every Smash Brothers character uh, getting an Amiibo. Which may not even end up being true. We've I don't talked think about there's be. no, yeah. like, Sora Amiibo announced. Um, I don't even think we've... Have we seen a Kazuya uh, uh, Amiibo? I'm pretty sure all of them, except for Sora, have something announced at this point. Yeah. But also, I mean, maybe the Sora one is coming. It's just coming. We'll just hear about it later because I feel like the... 2025 when the new Switch is announced. <laughs> I feel like the Amiibo are not... They wasn't lined up necessarily yeah. with the yeah, you're right. announcement of like the character itself. So, yeah, who knows? Yep. And finally, a set of coasters featuring the Roost and Brewster, the coffee-loving pigeon from Animal Crossing New Horizons, has been added as a new My Nintendo reward. Each coaster is made of cork padding and features a laminated top. The set comes in a tin container. Um, which is the description directly from the, the website. It'll set you back 700 platinum points, and then remember you have to pay for shipping if you're interested in it. Uh, Mark, I was interested in it, and then also remember that I had that Sega Genesis controller in my, uh, oh, right. my Nintendo cart from uh, the, the last time we recorded. Uh, so those are both on their way to me right now. Saved on shipping. Say uh, No, I still, had to, <laughs> I still had to pay for shipping. Well, yes. Right, because shipping from uh, my Nintendo store is free after $50. So I was literally one cent away <laughs> with the uh, Genesis controller. Um, but it, it, it's a, a seemingly like a nice uh, quality build on the uh, on the coasters. And they come in a little tin. And uh, like a real use of platinum points. Yeah. Uh, yes. L look, this is what we're on the lookout for. What can you really use your platinum points for? Uh, and this is one. Get some coasters. Um, they were still available uh, when I picked them up um, on sunday um so hopefully they they still are now but now mark i'm down to how do i earn platinum points uh, by doing little stuff here and there yeah so you can go to the um nintendo switch online app right on okay. the switch and it has like three missions a week or something like that, that you can take care of and those are the same points that i'm spending on like uh icons exactly okay. yeah and then you can also go to the my nintendo website and look for ways to you know like clicking around missions on there okay yep exactly um because i am now down to but 60 points wow um so i gotta i gotta start like earning some back um and you know 
the, a lot of the like new missions that they're assigning like from the Switch um, are like play this game, play you know Super Mario Brothers yeah. on the NES Switch Online. So like easy to achieve, fun to achieve. You should just be doing it um, anyway. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Uh, let's get out of the news. Mark, some things don't change when we go indie. Uh, I still can't find the button. I don't know what music is queued up. Um, and it still takes me a second. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, send us an email or send us a tweet so you can get on our Discord if that sounds like fun to you. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Card Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our new logo. Hopefully, it's up on the podcast stream right now. Otherwise, you're looking at the old logo. But the new logo will be out shortly. Um, uh, our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrow's will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. I'm balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>